0: When someone first comes in and you see that discouragement on their face, they've tried so many different products, but nothing seemed to work for them. I'm able to take that disappointment and that pain and turn it into hope.
1: You're listening to Mallory, an art support specialist at the Goodfeet Store
2: From ESPN, and you're listening to the ML
0: Sports Platter. Hey, the ML Sports Platter back with you. All over the major platforms: Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer. You know what to do. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by Axe Exotic Pets, Ken's Auto Detailing, the Vince Aguirre Consulting Group, and our great friends over. At Welch & Company Jewelers, go ahead and shop the showcase today at welchjewelers.com. That's welchjewelers.com. Necklaces, watches, you name it, engagement rings, wedding rings. Make sure you shop the showcase today at welchjewelers.com. Super happy to bring in uh, an old pal of mine from uh, our radio days in central New York. He does an awesome job uh, covering the New York sports scene in New York City. Uh, producing and and doing a bunch of different things for uh, Westwood One and of course the producer for the Adam Bomb show as well. You can get him on Twitter at DSilverman95. That's at DSilverman95. We're going to talk a ton uh, about his beloved Mets here in this segment as well. Dan Silverman, man, it's been a while. How are you, buddy? It's been too long.
3: I'm good. How's everything?
0: I'm I'm well. I appreciate you asking, and I would agree. Too long, I- indeed. I don't think I have seen you in, in a couple of years. Ran into each other at Yankee Stadium, of all places. Um, I, I, I I try to forget that game. It started well, and then <laughs> the next thing
3: I knew, the Yankees were hitting bombs, and it was one of those days that you know. I've seen too many of at Yankee Stadium.
0: Yeah, well, these days things are not going well for the Yankees. They're not good. The GM is clueless. The owner's clueless. The manager's clueless. What is, you're around New York a lot. We'll get to your Mets, but I wanted to start with this. What is it like amongst Yankee fans, you know, what people are feeling, saying, how pissed are they? What 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 is it like down there in the Big Apple?
3: There's just a lot of frustration. I mean, I think the other night when they blew the game in the ninth inning against the Angels after two rain delays and it was 12.30 in the morning or whatever time it was, I think for a lot of people that almost seemed like a breaking point just because you have a four-run lead in the ninth inning, you scored seven in the first against Shohei Otani, and you can't get that done. And the Angels are a team that They know how to lose. They have maybe the two best players in baseball, and Otani and Trout, and Trout's injured right now. But that's not a team that usually comes from behind and finds a way to win games. Usually they find ways to lose. So I think for the Yankees and a lot of their fans, it's that frustration of, you know, if you lose to a good team, okay. But you shouldn't be losing a series at home to a team that's pretty much Otani and Rendon and then a huge drop-off between the two of them and everybody else. And to lose that game when you score seven in the first off Otani is just, it's a painful way to lose. And I was at the game. I didn't stay for the whole thing. I went just to see Otani, which was a major letdown since he didn't make it out of the first inning, and I left in the third before the first rain delay even happened. And I almost wish I stayed just to have seen that meltdown in the ninth inning.
0: So you're you're as big a baseball guy as anybody I know. I mean, you watch the Mets religiously, you love the sport. but are you do you still love the sport you know the same as a few years ago when you and I worked together and we used to talk all the time on the air you know baseball together. Do, do, do you still love it as much? Because I don't. I think the sport is is brutal to watch in a lot of spots. The ball is not in play. Uh, it's home run, walk or strikeout. Um, the analytics stuff drives me crazy. I think there's a place for it in the game, but I, I, I think balance needs to be uh, really addressed more than, than, than it is now. Do you still love baseball the same way? Do you still watch it the same way with that, with that love, with, the, with that passion? I still love it just as much. I still have the same
3: passion. Now, that doesn't mean that I think it's perfect, and I think there are plenty of things that baseball could fix and improve. Um, I mean, I know the big thing right now is the checking pitchers for any substances they have, which, look, I get why pitchers are upset about it. And I think Major League Baseball is maybe going farther than they need to because, you know, it's one thing to have a little bit of sunscreen and rosin on your hand because that is really more of a control and a grip thing. The whole slider tack stuff takes it to another level. And I think that's a problem. But I think Major League Baseball figured, well, it's either an all-or-nothing thing, and we're not seeing enough runs get scored, so let's do what we can. And it seems like that's and it's a small sample size. Runs have gone up a little bit since they started checking pitchers. I think it's still too soon to say whether there's a direct connection or not. But it's just, you know, between that, I think replay needs to get fixed in baseball, probably in all sports. But I think you know you have a review that takes four or five minutes. Sometimes it's just way too long. So there are still problems within the game. But you know I'm still watching the Mets pretty much every single night because that's what I love to do. And granted, they lost twenty to two the other night. I didn't make it through all nine innings, but I'm still watching pretty much
0: every game. This will air uh, after the 14 strikeout Jacob DeGrom outing. Um, obviously, had a difficult first, but um, he retires 18 straight to end the outing. He's right now doing historical things, obviously. You and I both know that. But when you watch Jacob DeGrom pitch, what are you thinking? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? Because he is just, I mean, he's hes unbelievable, Dan. He, he's as good as anybody I probably have ever seen.
3: He's, he's incredible to watch. And I don't think incredible really even does it justice because he's doing things that we have literally never seen done before. He's now through 13 starts. I think it might be 14. I have to double check. I think it's 13. And he is an ERA under one, which just does not happen. You know, there are other pitchers who are having good years, and then you compare them to what DeGrom is doing, and it almost seems like they're not having spectacular years because ground is just at such another level. So watching him, it's, first of all, I'm almost nervous every time he's on the mound because the expectations for him are so high that I want him to be able to continue what he is doing, which is not easy to do when he sets the bar as high as he has. So there's almost the sense of disappointment every time, He's not perfect. And I've got to see a few of his starts this year. My goal at this point is to go to City Field whenever he pitches because, you know, you never know. He could throw a perfect game or no hitter. He is that kind of stuff anytime he's out there. And it's at the point where I was at the Mets' greatest game when he pitched at City Field last Monday. And he got ahead in the count, 0 2, gave up a very weak, slow hit, slow hit ground ball to third, and there was just a loud collective groan from the crowd because he didn't get a strikeout. <laughs> that, that's the level of dominance that we're seeing where it's disappointing if he doesn't strike someone out when he's ahead in the count with two strikes. And giving up three few runs against the Braves in the first inning, that was shocking. But then he ends up retiring 18 in a row with 12 strikeouts of those 18 outs. So even when he doesn't have his best stuff, you know, for him, seven innings, three runs is his worst start of the year. Yeah. And for most pitchers, that's their best start of the year. So he's just on a whole nother level, and it's, it's special to watch.
1: How many steps do you take before you have foot pain? Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with The Good Feet Store. And the truth is, the battle between our feet and the concrete or asphalt usually winds up with our feet losing. Studies show that about 75% of people will experience some kind of foot pain by middle age. I found that out a number of years ago with plantar fasciitis, and I tried to remedy it with shoes and drugstore cushions that didn't work. Finally, I went to the Good Feet store, was personally fitted for arch supports, and I loved them so much, I bought the store. Without a plan to protect and support your feet, it is likely you could one day be one of the millions living with chronic foot pain. Don't wait until pain demands that you visit us. Stop by the Goodfeet Store today and let one of our trained art support specialists fit you with your personal system of art supports. The Goodfeet Store is located in Fairfax, Leesburg, Rockville, Baltimore and Hunt Valley, and in Annapolis in the Annapolis Harbor Center. For more information, go to goodfeet.com. Lowe's Provember event is back In celebration of pros We're offering special values on top tools To get any job done right Head into Lowe's and check out the largest selection Of DeWalt power tools and accessories Right now you can get a guaranteed Tough DeWalt 20 Volt Max bear tool Free when you buy a DeWalt 20 Volt Max Drill or impact driver kit Shop in store or order online. Lowe's, the new home for pros. Valid through 1 5, while supplies last. Selection varies by location, U.S. only.
0: Talking to Dan Silverman, uh, Westwood 1, of course, at Silverman 95 on Twitter. Uh, helping out with the Adam Bomb Show as well. Check that out at adambombshow.com. Talking uh, some Major League Baseball. You know, the thing with DeGrom, it, it's, it's crazy. A couple things. One, He's already 33 years old, <laughs> which is amazing. I mean, he's, And he keeps throwing harder. Right, and but he's not 23 or 4 where we're like, oh, another 10, 12 years. I mean, we got to really soak this in. He he may go another 6, 7 years, who knows, but he's 33 already. He has started 14 games by the way. And finally, I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, Jacob DeGrom all these strikeouts. I mean, come on, everybody strikes out. Everybody everybody with the big double digit strikeouts, you know, the these outings it doesn't mean as much as it used to because everybody's striking out, everybody's swinging for the fences. The the, the, the problem I have with that is it's like Mahomes. When Mahomes went 5000 yards and 50 touchdowns, if it was everybody doing it, you'd have 3-4 quarterbacks with those numbers, but you still, you know, even in the age is what I'm getting at, Dan that we're in, it's still wildly impressive because who else is doing it? You know, like nobody else is doing it, right? So it's it's he's still in a league of his own.
3: He is in a league of his own and I, yes a lot of pitchers have a lot of strikeouts, but DeGrom has, he's not first in strikeouts, he's first in strikeouts per nine innings, and that's solely because with his injury problems that he's had, he just hasn't thrown as many innings as some other pitchers, but he strikes out a lot of guys and has one of the lower pitches per inning rates on top of that. So it's not just a lot of strikeouts where he you know, has a high pitch guy and can't pitch deep into a game. He's able to be dominant and typically get deep into a game. And I know there, this year might not be the best example of that because he's had starts a bunch of them where he's left early either because of an injury or something didn't feel right or they're just being careful with him because of some of those injury scares. But he just does it at a whole nother level than anyone else. And there are a lot of very talented pitchers in baseball, but none of them start in, start out, week in, week out, are even close to what DeGrom is doing. And, you know, you'll have someone who will throw a no-hitter one week, but then they might give up five runs their next start. And DeGrom is just, more than anything, I don't know if it's the dominance or the consistency that's more impressive, but to be
0: able to put that all together... No one else is doing that. Dan, uh, we're going into uh, the subway series. It'll be over by the time people hear this, but uh, obviously this has been going on for a long time. The interleague. Do, do you, you know, do you still think it has the, the, the bravado that it used to have? Is, is it still, I mean, is it still that in New York? Is it still a big deal subway series? I think it's still a big deal. I mean,
3: I've, remember going to Subway Series games at Shea Stadium when I was a kid. I went to a couple of the old Yankee Stadium when I was younger. And the sad thing is that at least the last couple of years when I've gone to Subway Series games, obviously not last year with no fans, but I went in 2018, 2019, um, it doesn't seem to have the same atmosphere as it used to. I think there's still a lot of excitement to it. It's still fun, but it just doesn't seem to have the same energy that it did, you know, 2006, 2007, 2008 when I was younger. And I don't know what the reason for that is. And I know those years, the Mets and the Yankees were both good. And obviously when both of the teams are good and winning and competitive, there's always more excitement and energy in the stadium but I think, and maybe this weekend will be different because both teams have winning records. Now, if you see how Yankees fans react, you would think that they're the worst team in baseball. Um, and I could you know, go on a whole thing about how Yankees fans are spoiled and entitled. Um, so maybe this weekend will be different, but at least the last two years when I've gone, it hasn't felt quite the same as it used to
0: all right, are you going to watch, uh, well, you're going to watch for sure, the All-Star game, but, man, those uniforms are hideous, aren't they?
3: Oh, oh, they are, they are they're, so they're, bad. They're, they're, they're atrocious.
0: They're so you bad. You
3: know what? Everybody stop talking about the uh, pitchers getting inspected for substances once they put out the All-Star uniforms. Because <laughs> the, uni- the uniforms are, I don't know who designed them. I don't know Nike. who saw. I, don't, I mean, I don't know who this, who, I don't know who from Major League Baseball saw those uniforms and said, "Yes, that's a good idea."
0: It's so because bad. I
3: find it hard to believe that anybody with a working set of eyes could see those uniforms and say, "Yes, on our big display of talent throughout baseball, we want our best players wearing these absolutely hideous things." So bad. So I, bad. I don't know I don't know and I don't know if it was Manfred, who, I mean, I'm guessing that the decision for All-Star uniforms doesn't go all the way up to him. He's got other issues on his plate and, you know, other mistakes that he's made this year. But, I mean, you see the backlash. I, I didn't see a single positive review of them
0: on Twitter. I didn't I don't either.
3: Think, I, don't think, I don't think anybody liked them.
0: Nope, I didn't see one either. I didn't like, either.
3: Make new uniforms. It's still time to change them. Fix it. Because those are just... I mean, I'm still going to watch the All-Star game, but it's going to be... It's like when they had the, uh, the Players Weekend uniforms a couple of years ago that were all white.
0: Yep.
3: Reminds me of that a little bit. And those were not good uniforms. They could they could definitely do a lot better.
0: Okay, final thing on the baseball side, and we'll move over to to, to some Syracuse stuff. Uh, what, what else do you want to What else do you would you tell my listeners what you know what you've seen this year? Impressed with surprise teams in a good way or a bad way? The NL West power Tatis and Vlad Jr. Acuna. Uh, take it however you want. Just kind of state of the state Major League Baseball through the eyes of Dan Silverman. I do
3: think the fact that now we have this new generation of young players who are just stars, is good for baseball. Between you have Acuna, you have Tatis, you have Guerrero. You know, Tani's not as young as them, but I would still like group him in that, obviously, star category. Um, and there are also guys who have more personalities because, you know, Mike Trout, as of a baseball player as he is just isn't that you know, go out and market yourself, grow the game kind of guy which is unfortunate for baseball because he's been the best player in the league for I don't know how long at this point, close to a decade um, and he's played in three playoff games and I think that's a problem when you have your best players who aren't getting enough of a spotlight. Like Mookie Betts in the playoffs last year, he's an electric player, and fans got to see that. And I think now with a lot of these younger guys, who you can see how much fun they're having every time they're on the field, that I think is good for baseball. And the other thing I do want to touch on, because I mentioned Manfred before, these seven inning doubleheaders, I, I understood it last year.
0: Yeah, just get the games in last year, but they come exactly. out. Last enough. last year you last year you knew there would be cancellations because of COVID. Yep. It was a weird season. But
3: this year enough is enough. And especially what I'm mad at both the Nationals and Manfred for, because the Nets had a double header against the Nationals a couple weekends ago. It was a split admission doubleheader and they still played seven in games. Oops. And that that is a crime. There is if you're having a split admission doubleheader, you have to play nine inning games. And the second the Nationals said they were doing that, Rob Manford needed to pick up the phone and say, no effing way. It's 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 a crime to the fans to charge full price for seven inning games. But
0: he doesn't he doesn't I don't think he gives two flying rips about the fans and, and I don't think he loves the game. I I think that he I don't think Dan I mean, you know, and Kevin Kernan came on my podcast and talked about this, and he made a great point. You know, see what you want about Bud Selig the steroid era and all the other screw-ups and tying the All-Star game and all the other – he loved and still loves the game. He does love it. He made some mistakes, and the steroid era is obviously a black cloud in his tenure. Somehow he weaseled his way into the Hall of Fame. But he loved the game. You know, all the commissioners in the past love – I don't think Rob Manfred loves baseball, man. I don't.
3: I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I think, I think he's also in a difficult spot in the sense that he's trying to make sure that he can keep baseball interesting for younger fans who don't necessarily have the attention span and who you know say it's too boring. Like it, it's. I don't think he's in an easy spot. But that being said. I also don't think he's done the best of jobs given what he's had to deal with, and that double thing is just one of them. You know, you shouldn't be paying full price to only see seven innings. This doesn't make any sense. Pick up the phone and tell the Nationals, no, you can't do that.
0: All right, quick hit Syracuse sports stuff. Uh, any any hope at all? I have no hope. But do you have any hope for SU football this year? Nope. I don't either. I just, terrible offensive line.
3: It's a very sad, very quick answer, but no, I don't. I just don't think, I don't think we've seen anything from the last couple of years, especially last season, which was just a, a disaster. There's no other way to put it. I don't think we've seen enough the last couple of years to really have a reason to be optimistic. Yeah, it I just, think I think it's going to be a rough season.
0: Okay, final final one for you. I, I've been battling some of the fans for a while on this.
3: You battling Syracuse fans?
0: Isn't that something? <laughs> Syracuse basketball fans are—they get so caught up in the regular season. And I understand every fan wants another win, right? Everybody wants one more. Everybody wants you know, more, 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 more. I get it. But this. You know, the loss to NC State in February, the loss in whatever, uh, to whoever in the non-conference in December, or a little slide, you know, losing 4-6 or six in, in, in in early to mid-February. Okay, great. They figure out a way to get in the tournament. And then from there, it's it starts over. And the 2-3 zone, nobody sees it, nobody wants to play it. It improves game to game. Somebody offensively explodes. Malachi, Buddy Beheim, whatever the heck the case might be. You want Beheim on the baseline in those games because he's a big time March coach. Dan, I help me out here, man. I I keep trying to tell people it doesn't matter about the regular season. You crying and wanting these three to five or six more wins doesn't matter. What matters is in the end, in March, you show up in the Sweet Sixteen. That's how you finished. That's what matters.
3: So I go back and forth on this a lot because I agree with you that yes what matters is how you do in the tournament. I think the frustration is the fact that, you know, 10 years ago, Syracuse was pretty much always a top 25 team and often a top 10 team. And my freshman year, which was the 2013-14 season when Syracuse started 25-0 and 0 sure. and was number one in the country, that's the last time that Syracuse is really a top 25 team. I mean, they've, they've had instances since then where they've been in the top 25 for you know short stretches here and there, but that's the last time they were consistently, I would say, a good team in the regular season. That's eight years ago now, seven, eight years ago. So I think the frustration is, like, yes, it's good to have that deep tournament success, and that, at the end of the day, is the most important part. But I think it's just hard when you have, when you go from being a school that's consistently ranked, consistently top 25 or top 10, and, you know, vying for a, a one seed or a two seed versus a team that barely makes it into the tournament. And, you know, there's no reason why Syracuse can't be both, why it shouldn't still be able to be a team that has regular season success. And can make a deep run in the tournament, and it's frustrating when there are just plenty of bad performances during the regular season. It can be hard to watch, and it, it does somewhat make up for it when you have a, a Sweet Sixteen run um, and a surprisingly, you know, a surprising run like this year's team did. But it definitely gets frustrating when. This team just isn't meeting the
0: same standard as what a lot of fans are used to. I mean, it's easy for me. <clears throat> the 25-0 and 0 team, number one, Ennis, making that shot against Pittsburgh at the buzzer. that was fun. It was great. Uh, national profile, and, and blah, blah, blah. It was and great.
3: And then they fizzled and out. And
0: then they and lost to Dayton and Buffalo. Yes. Basically, on a home court, they lost in the NCAA tournament in Buffalo. So. which...
3: Wish, wish, wish. Also, I don't think really surprised anyone because they were not playing well at the end of that. Season they couldn't
0: score. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't score, and they were making a lot of errors. What I'm getting at, though, is would you have traded, you know, ten of those wins, eight of those wins, six of those wins, whatever the case may be, for a sweet sixteen that year? You know, I mean, I, I just to, to me, I always want, I I always want to get better in the end. I always want to finish strong. If you're giving me a choice, and 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 when the lights are on, when it's the brightest, when it's the most important and biggest stage, I want to thrive there. I want to I want to win in the end. I want to go as high as I can. Postseason more than regular season, you know.
3: Yeah, the thing is with that, I think that was also such a such an exciting season to start twenty five and zero.
0: I don't know if I would give that up to win one more game in the tournament like the Sweet 16. Because, hmm. you know, they lost in the round
3: of 32, and they were just not the same team by then as they were earlier in the season. But say they beat Dayton, and then they end up losing in the Sweet 16. So you win one more game there. Like, yes, making the Sweet 16 is great. But I the, just some memories of starting 25-0 and and some of the wins they had in the NS buzzer-beater against Pitt... Um, yeah, obviously, the ninety-one eighty-nine game against Duke, the first time that Duke came to the dome, is an ACC
0: team. And, and I think at home they won, didn't they win a nail biter against NC State? I think with the yep, steal yep, and the unfair yep. had the, yeah.
3: Yep, they had that big win against <clears throat> NC State, and then it all came was downhill from there. They lost
0: in overtime to Boston College, yes. It was a terrible team. Yep, yep. But it's like, and I look at this for,
3: I think, more in football sometimes, because. Syracuse obviously hasn't had a lot of success lately, um, other than the one really good season a couple of years ago, where they went ten and three in Dungey's senior year. But if I and I posed this question to a friend a couple of years ago, would you rather have the season that Syracuse had in twenty thirteen, which was the first year in the ACC they went six and six in the regular season, snuck into a bowl game? and beat Minnesota in the Texas Bowl, or would you rather have the season that they had a few years ago go 4-8, and eight, but have a, a, an upset win at home against Clemson? Because I would much rather have the bad year, but have an iconic win against Clemson like they did. That game, I will remember for the rest of my life, the Texas Bowl, eh, like you beat Minnesota in the Texas Bowl, who really cares? Eating Clemson on national TV, you know, that that's a much bigger deal.
0: Dan Silverman on Twitter at DSilverman95, Westwood1 doing some great stuff with the Adam Baum Show as well, and, of course, a Syracuse University graduate. Dan, thank you so much, my friend. Um, this is really, really fun, and, uh, and uh, keep up the great work. All right, buddy? Anytime. Thanks, Mike. Go Mets. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends at Stanley Law Offices. Together, they'll work to get you the maximum award. A big-time thanks as well to Bryant and Stratton College and our good, good friends over at Ken's Auto Detailing. From Dan Silverman, we go to my man Bill Hoppy, Covers the Buffalo Sabres and the NHL for buffalohockeybeat.com. Give him a follow on Twitter, a must there. Coverage is fantastic, buffalohockeybeat.com, at Bill Hoppe, NHL. Billy, how are you, buddy? Welcome back.
2: I'm good. How are you, Michael? Uh,
0: everything's good here, man. Uh, you know, I'm really glad the Sabers did this. I, I thought Don Granato really deserved this. What does it mean short term? What does it mean long term that he, you know, got the got the the you know the go ahead to be the head coach for the Sabers?
2: I mean, it means a lot. I mean, he's you go through the the many coaches they've had in the last eight years, and he's. He's one of the few I think you could really measure some somewhat significant progress, at least by Sabre standards. And he was only on, he was only their coach, whatever, 28 games, six or seven weeks. But he was able to take a team that was just in the midst of an 18 game losing streak and he was able to kind of get them going. And they were competitive again. They finished the season. Uh, they beat every East Division playoff team, and he got a lot out of a lineup that was short on experience, was missing some of his key pieces. and Some of the, the young guys that the Sabres are going to have to lean on probably in the future, the Casey Middlesets, the Dalines, Tage Thompson, uh, he, they took on leading roles and they thrived and they went to a different level. Under uh uh Don Granado, so it was it seemed just the connection he made with the team, what he got out of them, it, it seemed like the, the the likeliest hire, the one just the the one that made the most sense, I guess you could say. And and, and they did it. And I, I think, uh, if if the Sabres, uh, let, let, let me gather my thoughts here, I don't to say this correctly, but I, I really think that they that it might take time but I think uh, they could see a lot of progress under Don Granato, continued progress and it might take a couple years but I mean uh, he's a guy I think will get the most out of uh, a lineup that might be a little light on talent that might be a little raw I just think he has a development background he has an ability to connect with players uh, the first guy on the
0: roster the last guy on the roster and he'll he'll get out a lot out of the group I was going to go right to Middlestad and, and Darlene. Those two guys really seemed, and there were others, but they seemed to me to be at the top of the list, really turning a corner, confidence. Uh, they weren't limited to a systematic approach, uh, all those sorts of things. The question I have for you, though, is now that we've seen that, you mentioned Granato, the strides, the proof is in the pudding type of a thing, but he did it in a short time. Now the expectations will be obviously higher, but with a full season with a full season, do you expect those guys to even take greater leaps with Granado? Because he'll have he'll have a whole year to work with these guys. Yeah, certainly. I think it's very possible, just given uh their talent level, uh the,
2: the maturity I've seen from from them, especially Casey Middlestaff or Delling's very mature, in my opinion too. But the Casey that really uh, grew a lot. I think in the last year, and he realized that his career was maybe slipping a little, uh, that uh, he wasn't reaching expectations, and he had to change. But I mean, the Sabres were able to get back to being kind of a normal competitive team over the last six, seven weeks, and they had very, very little practice time. That was the interesting. Thing about it. the schedule was so compact; it was so uh, just back-to-back games, uh, same opponent. I mean, you're staying in the same town, so you had an advantage there. But you lost all that practice time, so they were they were able to make progress without that. So you figure, if next season is a normal year with an 82-game schedule and three-day breaks sometimes or two-day breaks between games, and they have the practice time you would in a, in a normal six-seven-month season, then and yeah, I mean, a full training camp too. I mean, all those things play into that. And I think guys like the guys you mentioned could definitely go to another level.
0: Bill Hoppy covers the Buffalo Sabres, buffalohockeybeat.com, at Bill Hoppy NHL, a must follow on Twitter here on the NL Sports Platter, brought to you by Bryant & Stratton College and Axe Exotic Pets. Bill, what's next for Jack Eichel? Uh,
2: I think the next step will probably be a trade. Um, if that comes... Uh, Later today, or in <laughs> three weeks, or a month, or six weeks—I think it's going to come. I just think there's too much of a disconnect between him and the team over his neck injury. And when you look at some of the other factors, I just—if you're this—it's just from the saber standpoint. I mean, they've given Jack Eichel's been on them whatever five, six years. Uh, They—they've won nothing. Yeah, he clearly doesn't want to be there. So if you can get the deal you want, I mean, why not? just go for it, start fresh. I mean, he should bring you some prime assets and, and go forward with that because it's, uh, it's obviously not working with him here. And uh, I just, you want, you kind of wonder where it went wrong. I mean, sometimes you wonder this, this whole neck neck injury, if, if they want to use it to kind of get out of town, because I don't, if he's as injured as, as they say, um, I don't understand how he can be. They can kind of be talking about a trade right now because you, you really can't trade injured players like that. Right. So you just wonder the whole scenario, or excuse me, the, the the whole situation behind this because it's just this very odd situation that it's coming to a head here. In, I guess in the last uh, couple of months, and it's probably better for both sides, in my opinion, if they move on.
0: So the, the, the possible landing spots, right? I mean, I'm hearing on a variety of different shows, Anaheim, Would the Bruins get involved. I don't see the Bruins because they're, their cap situation and they got to rebuild that third line. You got to figure out the goaltending. I don't see Boston. The Rangers have been a popular team throwing around. Some people are now thinking the Kings might get involved. Uh, do you have a landing spot for Jack Eichel? And on top of that, who do the Sabers build around at that point? Who's the face of the team? Are they are they even worried about any of that stuff once he's gone?
2: Well, I mean, I don't think there are a ton of landing spots. I mean, you hear I don't I don't think Boston is a possibility. I don't I just don't think you should trade
0: him within the division. I think that's sports. another good point. Yep. But even, though, even if you think about the conference, I mean the,
2: Ranger, I mean, the Rangers have the assets to do it, in my opinion. But do they want to do it? And do you want to trade them within the conference? I don't know. I mean, because I mean, you end up playing the Rangers eight times this year, and that probably won't happen again. But it's just things like that. But you, you hear the Kings here, Columbus. I'm sure there's dark horses. But it, And it, like you said, the Ducks. But it's a complicated deal. Yeah. And uh, you have. To, if you're the Sabres, you have to get back to young, players in my opinion
0: with star potential no doubt you have, you have to get a first round pick you have to get a prospect or another
2: decent roster player i mean you have to get assets you can't do the ryan o'reilly thing again and, and that you look at the ryan o'reilly trade three years ago i guess it was three years ago yesterday or whatever but i mean that set them back i mean mm-hmm. they got they, they
0: got very little yeah, they the got current. a bag of hockey pucks for god's sakes if you trade them to the rangers you got to get one of the big guys. You got to get one of the young big guys. You got to get Kako or you got to get Lafreniere. You get. You have to.
2: Yeah, I agree, and you have to get Keandre Miller too, in my opinion. Yep. So, um, but he, you know, I, I, I think I don't think they should just do it for the sake of it, like the O'Reilly. I mean, if you don't get what you want, then. I guess hold on to them. I mean, because that O'Reilly trade, I mean, it, it decimated the Sabres and they haven't recovered from it yet. And it was just, and they still have, I should point out, they, they still do have assets from that Ryan O'Reilly trade. They have Tage Thompson, who could become a 20 goals, 25 goal scorer, at least in my opinion. They have Ryan Johnson, a first round pick. He's at the University of Minnesota. So they do they do have assets and the trade could pay some dividends. But right now that trade is just, Brutal, about as bad as you could imagine. So, and I mean, that that cannot happen again, period.
0: I know that winter, fall, winter, are the seasons where the Bills and the Sabres are active, but you and I both love summer. Buffalo is a beautiful city in the summertime with the the water and things to do and the downtown district and the whole nine yards. This year, it's been even... More beautiful and more busy and more fun because there's been major league baseball because the damn Blue Jays can't get back to Toronto. So you, I know, went to the park. Uh, give me uh an, an an idea here of what it's been like. I've heard rave reviews, people love it. The park suits the blue jays, the fans are having a blast. What was your experience like watching the Toronto Blue Jays? And by the way, that's a fun lineup to to, to watch with those uh with those youngsters led by Vlad Jr.
2: Oh, certainly, and I mean, just to have—I mean, maybe, arguably, the biggest star in the game right now, or uh, one of the top three or four, in my opinion, or at least, young star. Absolutely. I mean, in your backyard, it's pretty cool, and uh, I think people are enjoying it. I think they overpriced the tickets at first; they've come down uh, quite significantly, so uh, that should lead to more fans and so forth. But the park—the park has always looked great, but it's—it's uh, it's been. Uh, over overhauled a bit. I mean, there's uh, the the Rays' bullpens in the outfield now. It's it's obviously very. It looks like a Blue Jays park uh, uh-huh. at, at a lot of different levels. There's a clubhouse in right field now, which is a little different, but uh-huh. it, it's supposed to be nice just the, the blue jays have poured a ton of money into the park but i mean the fact that they had major league baseball in buffalo i mean no one ever thought this would happen there was a time buffalo was a, a leading contender for an expansion team and that that didn't happen and that just kind of you know went away and you never thought you'd see it again unless it was like an exhibition game or something, but they'll probably be here the whole season or at least most of it. And it's a very unique experience to see. I mean, I saw the Orioles twice and I saw Houston and just, I mean, the fact that, you know, I was able to watch the Orioles in Buffalo, uh, it's just a little bizarre because you never thought you'd see it. But uh, I hope attendance goes up just because it's such a unique opportunity and uh, I plan on going to more games.
0: You know, I saw, Bill, a couple years ago, I'm, I'm at the ballpark in Syracuse, and the Bisons come through town. And, of course, it's Bichette, and it's BGO, and Vlad Jr., right? And, and I'm in between my, my, my on-field duties, and I didn't have anywhere to be for, I don't know, a half inning or whatever. And Vlad comes up, and I said, I'm just going to stop and I'm just going to watch this, because this guy is going to be, if he stays healthy, I think he's going to go right into the Hall of Fame with his dad. He hit a ball. (laughs) I mean, the sound of the bat to the ball, he hit this thing. It was an absolute missile. Uh, Right center field wall, which is kind of deep in Syracuse, 400 is all the way out to center. Right center, you got to poke it. And he hit this thing oppo, and it went over – the 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 wall it went over like the you know the 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 couple of the tree and then I I don't even know where the hell it's probably still going but I I, I couldn't I couldn't believe that and the sound that it makes when he hits the ball he he's a he's a special special talent
2: certainly and uh, I've seen him hit home runs on the Blue Jays and the Bisons and uh, I, I, he hit one uh, last week I mean it was it hit the screen at left field. But yeah. uh, we thought it was gonna go yeah, over it and, and onto the street. And he's just uh he he's a very special talent. And I hope I hope people in Buffalo, I think they do realize how, how neat it is that he he came up through here I and mean, he wasn't on the bisons long, but he was on the bisons for a bit and uh, he's
1: gonna kind of or will have his breakout season in Buffalo. So that's
0: that's pretty cool. Yeah, and those guys, Bichette, BGO, Vlad Junior. They grew up in clubhouses. They grew up at the baseball field. They went and saw what it takes the grind. Their dads, two of them are in the Hall of Fame. Like, you know, it's the same thing with Patty Mahomes and his dad. I mean, that is a big, big deal, Matt. You see it in hockey a lot. I mean, my goodness, the sport you're the closest to. You see, you know, when look at the Kachuk guys, you know, they, they were around Keith. They're entire, you know, you learn so much just watching your dad at the office every day. And I think that's a huge thing. For Toronto uh, as well. Bill Hoppe is awesome at covering the Buffalo Sabres. Go follow him at Hoppy NHL and BuffaloHockeybeat.com. Billy, uh, really appreciate it. Should also mention that you're a contributor on WBFO as well. Uh, let's do it again soon. Can't wait to see you, man.
2: All right. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it.
0: The ML Sports platter is brought to you by your great friend Brian Comboy of Mass Mutual New York State. Tax efficient retirement planning today with Brian. You could be sending a youngster to college or retiring yourself, and it's important to get those finances right in order. Go visit them online, advisors.massmutual.com, on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. You can get them uh, as well. Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State. Tip of the cap, thank you as well. The Welch & Company Jewelers Sit Means Sit Syracuse Dog Training, the best around. Free consultations are available there as well. And last but certainly not least, our good, good pals over at Rosie's Corner. Pizza, pasta, hot and cold subs, wings, and more. And don't forget about Fish Friday each and every week. Mac and cheese available Thursday and Friday. Rosie's Corner on Grubhub. If you're in and around Central New York, order from Rosie's, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Huge thanks to Westwood One's Dan Silverman and Bill Hoppy, the Sabres insider and beat reporter, for joining me here on the ML Sports Platter. You can download and subscribe to this podcast all over the major platforms where podcasts are found. And hit me on Twitter at MikeL Sports. As I always tell you, enjoy the games.
3: your holiday dreams come true at TJ
1: Maxx, Marshalls, and Home Goods. The shelves are super stocked and the prices totally rock. Cashmere sweater for mom? Check. A remote control car? Check. The perfect handmade chessboard for your genius BFF? Check and mate. And that's
3: just the beginning. Stores near you are packed with amazing gifts, so you'll spend less
1: and gift better. Endless selection. Great prices all season long at your TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and Home Goods. Welcome to Parent Teacher Night. Oh, yes, Miss Garner. If you have one of those airline credit cards, you're probably not earning double miles on every purchase. You're right. My card only gets extra miles on some types of purchases. With the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles everywhere. Wait, but where can we use them? You can use Capital One Venture Miles on any travel purchase. Venture gets an A+. Capital One, what's in your wallet?
0: Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.